who among us doesn't enjoy a good mystery? And especially when solving it means that I get to bring out my competitive side, even if it's just me against the clock, I just can't wait to uncover all the secrets. So June's Journey is a game that is completely up my alley, and I think you'll love it too. In June's Journey, a hidden object mystery game, you play as June Parker, who's on a quest to solve her sister's murder and uncover her family's many secrets. Each chapter brings you deeper into the story, and it's set in the Roaring Twenties, so beyond uncovering clues, you get to experience the glitz and glamour of the time. June's Journey is definitely not a game I play mindlessly, which I love because I get genuinely invested and a lot of it is a race against time, so there's a little fun added pressure of trying to find the clues as quickly as you can in each scene. There are also tons of ways to customize the island that you're on, learn more about the characters, and then new chapters are added weekly, so you really can't run out of things to explore. So if you think you're up to solve this case, download June's Journey for free today on iOS or Android or play on PC through Facebook games. June needs your help, detective. Wander with us into a world of magic. Do you lack magic? Where old stories take on a new life and the world is teeming with possibilities. Well, for the last time, we're not kissing, Fritz. Join Jenny and Madeline in this fantastical audio drama as they journey into the stories you grew up with. Okay, Gown. Let's do this. And reinvent fairy tales with a feminist twist. Ready for your next adventure? Then we'll see you soon in the forest of feminist fairy tales. This is Steve Downs, the voice of Master Chief, Sierra 117. And you're listening to Podcast Unlocked, the world's number one Xbox podcast. Now, finish this fight. Master Chief, out. What's happening, friends? Welcome to the best episode of Podcast Unlocked. We've been waiting years for something this awesome to talk about. In fact, we're recording a day early because of it. It's Unlocked 462. I'm Ryan McCaffrey, and I'm joined by my usual crew. Say hi to Brandon Tyrell. Hello. Destin Legary. Bam. Hey, everybody. And Miranda Sanchez. Hi, hello. Guys, let's... I'm not even supposed to be here today. I had taken some extra time off uh, on the back of my 40th birthday, but I woke up this morning and actually, so I want to start, I want to go around the table. Where were you? Because this is like one of those, it, the video game Xbox fan equivalent of where were you when you heard the news? <laughs> so for me, I got up again, fully expecting to not work at all today. So I uh, uh, just was going to, I was going to play some, Super Mario 3D All-Stars, watch the car, take the dog for a long walk, just enjoy a nice day off on the back of my birthday. And I go on to Instagram, and I see Aaron Greenberg's post. And it doesn't explicitly say in his, <laughs> his Instagram post that they bought him. But I was like, it's like, happy to announce this. I'm like, wait a minute, what is this? <laughs> then I went on to IGN and saw that uh, Xbox, Microsoft has acquired Bethesda and Zenimax Studios in a $7.5 billion cash deal. Uh, and before I get into the details of it, I want to finish going around the room. Miranda, where were you when you read this or heard this? <laughs> so I was still in bed. Uh, I try not to check Twitter right when I get up. So I was like, oh, I'm going to check in on Slack and see how everyone's doing this morning. And then there is a very sarcastic comment from Mark Medina about like, hmm, good thing we don't have too much going on today with like a throwing hands up in the air gif. I was like, 
huh? And then so I went on to her side. I was like, oh. And then I like hopped out of bed and I was like, time to get this day started. Dang. <laughs> so you pretty much literally woke up to it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It was, yeah. Uh, I had gotten up at like 6 a.m. and I was like, I don't want to do this. I went back to bed. And then, <laughs> better way to wake up. I was instantly out of bed. <laughs> Destin, how about you? Yeah, I, I woke up in the morning and I just looked on Twitter, still in bed, and there it was. And immediately my <laughs> mind started racing with like, what does this mean? Our game's going to be exclusive, which I'm sure we'll get into a little bit later. But yeah, it was quite a morning. So, all right, I'm hoping that one of us was like mid-drink or like mid-cereal and did an actual spit take. Brandon, you're my last hope for this. Just Unfor lie to me. Unfortunate. Yeah, I, that was 100% me. Uh, I, Captain Crunch on the way to port and just everywhere. Uh, no, I was in bed as well. I uh, checked my fantasy football app and uh, looked at the scores over an injury-ridden weekend and then checked my email and saw the press release and was like, because oh, I don't have social media on my phone. So I saw the press release and was like, oh, crap. So I ran to my office, <laughs> logged on Twitter, um, and then just started ingesting news from every corner of the industry. So I think we're all still coming to terms with, uh, with I mean, it's only been two hours. <laughs> yeah. So it's funny that you, because this is kind of a fantasy sports kind of situation, except yeah. in real life. Like this is Microsoft uh, flexing their might as a $1.4 trillion market, you know, just overall value company. Uh, Bethesda slash ZeniMax private company. So there's no, no need to get shareholder sign off. This is uh, mm -hmm. Bethesda had been private and they now will be part of Microsoft. So uh, let me read you the part of the, the blog from Phil Spencer. We also heard from Pete Hines at Bethesda. But Phil writing a blog on Xbox Wire saying, today is a special day. Uh, nice, nice job underselling it, Phil. Uh, as we welcome some of the most accomplished studios in the games industry to Xbox. We are thrilled to announce Microsoft has entered into an agreement to acquire ZeniMax Media, parent company of Bethesda Softworks. As one of the largest, most critically acclaimed, privately held game developers and publishers in the world, Bethesda is an incredibly talented group of 2,300 people worldwide who make up some of the most accomplished creative studios in our industry across Bethesda Softworks, Bethesda Game Studios, id Software, ZeniMax Online Studios, Arcane, Machine Games, Tango Gameworks, Alpha Dog, and Roundhouse Studios. These are the teams responsible for franchises like The Elder Scrolls, Fallout, Wolfenstein, Doom, Dishonored, Prey, Quake, Starfield, and many more. Uh, this I almost don't know where to start with this because not only is, is ZeniMax and Bethesda... The, that's not an exaggeration. They are, I mean, you see the review scores, you see the, the acclaim for their games. But what is, guys, the number one thing that Microsoft has been criticized for, aside from the the quantity of game of exclusive games, period? It's single player games. And they went out and bought the studio that is known for creating phenomenal single player games across a variety of genres, whether it's Elder Scrolls, Fallout, Doom. Uh, uh, Tango's. Uh, I'm why am I blanking on Tango's horror game? Evil Within. Evil Within. 
Yes, Evil Within, thank you. Uh, of course, now they're making Ghostwire Tokyo, which we'll get to. And then, you know, you've got, uh, of course, Machine Games that has done such a brilliant job of making these single-player reboots and reimaginings of Wolfenstein. I mean, this is... And then Arcane with the Dishonored series and now uh, Deathloop, which, again, we'll get to that as well because that ha comes with an asterisk. But, guys, do you think... Now, obviously, these things don't come together overnight, but I wonder, I, I have to wonder, did this come about al like alongside the, the WB rumors? Or perhaps do you guys think that maybe when WB came off the table, because word was now they're no longer for sale, uh, that, that Microsoft pivoted and, and started looking for some way to spend the money burning a hole in their pocket? Destin, I'll go, go to you first here. Um, I'm not, I'm not sure. Sorry. Could you ask, ask the question again? <laughs> oh yeah. No, I was just asking, uh, if you thought this was a pivot from after WB, the idea of the possibility of buying the WB interactive studios came off the table or if, or if they might've just had multiple irons in the fire. Yeah, I think they were definitely reaching out, talking to various publishers. And that thought did cross my mind because the whole WB thing was just in the news recently. Yeah. Um, it seems like the parent company, WB, was like, yeah, maybe we're just going to hold on to this company yeah, right now. They, maybe they weren't getting you know, the money that they wanted. But um, imagine a world where they had gotten both at the same time. <laughs> uh, that that would have been uh, pretty huge. But uh, this get is big. I, I don't think it had anything to do with that particular thing. Maybe there was a world where they would have announced getting both and one fell through, but this <laughs> this is still a huge get. Yeah, uh, Brandon Tyrell. Uh, any, what do you think of this? Yeah. Sort of no, I, I think this is it, it's silly to consider this sort of an acquisition of this level to be sort of like fast follow or yeah. a pivot. Like this was obviously, if not in the works for a long time, which it probably was, but if it wasn't in the works for a long time, it was certainly something that had been discussed at length, right? So. Um, I don't. I don't think this was reactionary to uh, Warner's no longer on the uh, on the table. We need a big, you know, we need a big get a feather in our hat. I think it probably certainly lended credence to the idea that you know they could buy Bethesda by uh, how seriously you know if reports are to be believed, how seriously they were considering Warner Brothers. But you know, seven point five billion dollars is not something that you just drop in two months, right? When when you're <laughs> when your uh, your plan A falls through, so. Um, certainly something for a long time. And I'm sure we'll, I'm sure we'll get into it a little bit later, but Bethesda has been, you know, I, I don't know if they ever would have been in a position to sell before where they are kind of right now. The last few years haven't been particularly kind to them, you know, uh, as far as, as far as game franchises go. Um, so I, I think now is sort of like the earliest it probably could have happened if, if, you know, if you, if you'd ask me sort of the climate of the deal. Miranda, let me just float this by you and get your reaction. The Elder Scrolls Six might now be an Xbox console exclusive. I think for me, the biggest thing is that I know it's going to be on Game Pass. When I yeah. saw this news, my biggest thing was just like Game Pass because <laughs> it just gets so much more value. Um, I I wonder if they will make it a console exclusive. I feel like it, because development's like it was so far out that this is probably the best possibility for one of their bigger titles that we know about to be a console exclusive. 
Um, I, I know we are going to talk about it at length, but Microsoft did say that they are open to having some of these be these games not necessarily all just be console exclusives. And we've seen them do this with, with uh, Minecraft, of course. It's not like they're going to retract everything. It's like, no, 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 sorry, you can only play here now. Everything else canceled. Um, and, and so that's maybe also one of the reasons I was happy to see that if Bethesda were to get acquired by one of the big three, I would want it to be Microsoft because they are willing to play ball and let their exclusives go other places. Um, and I think Microsoft is kind of just keeps trying to show that they really want to do things to make games accessible on a variety of platforms and a variety of price points. Um, and so I know this is kind of going on a ta- tangent from no, just please. Elder Scrolls, but we wanted to, I, I wanted to get into this anyway. So go ahead. Yeah. I mean, like that was just like my first thought when I was like, okay, but how exclusive do they want to be? Which games will actually be exclusive? I think we could see Elder Scrolls be exclusive. And I think of the games that they have right now, that is the best chance. That and probably uh, Starfield. I think yeah. those really far off, almost mythical games at this point. <laughs> but at the same time, Elder Scrolls being exclusive sounds weird because Skyrim's on everything. It's a game <laughs> that you can play on Alexa. Like, right. <laughs> you have, like that little choose your own adventure sort of thing. So having the idea of it being essentially boiled down to probably just being PC and the Xbox consoles is is a very strange idea. Not bad, just, just like, huh, weird. Well, I, I want to continue that because that is really the big question. And there there is neither Microsoft nor Bethesda is is giving any definitive statement on this one way or the other. And that's and it is a I mean, it is the question now, because I mean, you brought up Game Pass, which I think we'll talk a little bit more about in a few minutes, because that's there, there are massive implications for Game Pass. But yes, the do you if you're Microsoft, do you keep the everything or most of it exclusive to Xbox and PC? Do you keep it off of PlayStation? Let's just be honest. That's what it is. Uh, and that's okay if that's, I mean, call it what it is. Uh, or do you put it on PlayStation? Because it's, I, I think there are a couple ways to look at it. For, number one, there's there's the argument that are you paying seven and a half billion dollars to just to let your big competitor have it as well? There's the idea of that. But on the other side, there's the idea that the PlayStation uh, 4 and now you know 5 install base is probably going to be very, very, very substantial. Mm-hmm. And your whole sort of ethos that you've been operating by uh, as Microsoft is we want gamers to play anywhere on any device, no matter what. And you could take a, a fir- you know the publisher's cut of every single copy of Elder Scrolls Six that were to get sold on the PlayStation Five, so Brandon, where do you where where do you think where do you want to see them go, and where do you think uh, it's going to net out there with with that very very pressing question that Microsoft yeah. has? It's a great question, it really is, and it is like you said, it is the question. Uh, sort of seems to be the thing that keeps popping up time and time again. This morning, <clears throat> I'll be honest, I. I I can see a world for both, really. And and I don't know that 
it, look, it, these games are years and years out, right? I don't even know that Xbox has an idea of what, or Microsoft has an idea of what they want to do with these right. games. Well, let, let's take let's take Starfield, which Miranda brought up, because sure. Starfield, it's Bethesda has acknowledged its existence. We know it's Todd Howard's next game, and I want to talk mm-hmm. about him soon too. And it's probably going to be unveiled next year, and it's either going to be a fall 2021 release or almost certainly 2022. So that's the next big thing. So let's let's use that as the example. Okay, we, yeah, we should, sure. also, we should also keep in mind what Phil told, uh, what was it, Bloomberg, that uh, future Bethesda games will be on Xbox, PC, and other consoles on a case-by-case basis. Mm-hmm. That right. is the quote. Mm-hmm. That's so, um, I, super interesting. Sorry there, Dustin. Um, yeah, so I think that case-by-case basis speaks primarily right now to Deathloop and um, Ghostwire Tokyo, right? Uh, moving forward, I could definitely see Microsoft leaning into games like Starfield and The Elder Scrolls as like a mid-generation revamp. Um, another reason to get into, you know, Microsoft's Log Garden, right? Like uh, they've always they've been criticized for a long time about not having big narrative-driven single-player games. I don't necessarily think locking those to the Xbox or the PC is the way to go about it. Um, Microsoft's a software company, uh, in addition to a hardware company, but you know, making games, licensing games, publishing games, distributing games. We know that, you know, they took the Minecraft apo- approach, which is unique in and of itself, right? Because it's sort of a platform on its own. Right. My, um, Minecraft already existed is a big correct. difference. Yeah. Yeah. And and it sort of lends credence to that fact, that mind frame um, by, you know, Phil saying they're going to honor the exclusivity deals on the existing um, you know, deals that have already been set up with Bethesda. So moving into Starfield, I could see them, I mean, absolutely, it's going to hit Game Pass day one. So there could be an approach of, look, if you're in our ecosystem, you get Starfield uh, as long as you're a Game Pass subscriber. If you're not and you you know, you know prefer to play it on another platform, that's fine. But then you're dealing with the price of next-gen games. So there's there's already like, there's a, there's a silver lining to being, uh, it's it sort of... Let me put it this way. It's a way for them to have their cake and eat it too. If you're True. in Microsoft's ecosystem, you're already getting the benefits of, you know, Bethesda games when they launch, you know, that far down. Let's talk Starfield and Elder Scrolls. If you're not, Microsoft's getting a publisher cut of every game sold on that platform. And if you pay $7.5 billion for uh, a company and all of its IP, you need to recoup that money at somehow. Otherwise, you know, what's the point? So I don't envision them maintaining exclusivity just to xbox consoles and the pc right i I don't think that's that's the game plan i don't think that's fiscally responsible let's say it financially responsible um to the same degree of of i don't really see exclusives maintaining a single platform anymore we've been talking about it for years they're getting more expensive they're getting harder to make and so when you lock it down there's a reason you can play horizon and death stranding on pc now there's a reason you can play Sea of Thieves and all of Microsoft's first-party games on PC. There's no point in limiting yourself with how much money you can make off these things when it's as simple as you know letting somebody pay more for the product if that's where they want to uh, buy it. Well, I'll you know? go to I'll go to Destin here because it's yeah. I mean, this really is an interesting question of the idea. Microsoft wants you in their ecosystem, so do you uh, do you just have it as have it multi-platform, again, using Starfield as the example, is Starfield a multi-platform game that's on PlayStation 5, but it's on Game Pass if you are if you get it on Xbox and you take that publisher cut for every, every PlayStation 5 copy sold? Or, Destin, do you do both? And do you 
do you keep it off of PlayStation and it is an Xbox exclusive? You've got to come to the Xbox ecosystem. And oh, by the way, now that you're here because you've got to have Starfield, guess what? It's on Game Pass. So just subscribe to that and you get all these games. So what what do you what do you think, Destin? What do you think they're going to do? Yeah, so it's it's a really interesting case. Todd Howard says uh, they have a belief we should bring that to everyone, regardless of who you are, where you live, or what you plan, regardless of the screen size, the controller, or your ability to even use one. So he definitely seems to be discussing a world where, yes, you can play those games on PlayStation 5, but then Phil's quote with the case-by-case basis... Um, you know what? Microsoft loses money by not releasing that game on PlayStation 5, by not making it cross-platform. But there is also the perception problem that Xbox doesn't have exclusives, right? Right. It's, it, like, it's, it's really tough for me to think about, like, what they're going to do business-wise. Because business-wise, it does make sense to go on the PS5. They're already losing money on the hardware, so, so- software is where the money is, Right. So I, I honestly, I, I don't have a good answer for this. I'm largely going to take a wait-and-see approach. I don't know what their answer is. Minecraft is continue to be cross-platform. Um, yeah, I'm kind of, I realize fully I'm waffling here totally, but um, as, as Xbox fans, we want them to say it's console exclusives, but my business brain and like what's best for Microsoft says they're going to go cross-platform in some way. Uh, however... That's $70 on PlayStation for the full mm. price game. On Xbox, you just subscribe to Game Pass and you get all of them, right? And I, so, I, think, I think the other point that people are leaving out is there's an optics element to it as well, right? There's so such a large part of the exclusive argument and the, the tribalism and the console war thing is we have a game that you can't play and it's silly and it's dumb and it shouldn't exist, but it does. And so... Moving forward, if Microsoft is now in a position where they have a game that you want to play, they're allowing it to be on every other platform. There's definitely a good guy Microsoft narrative there uh, that can be sort of, you know, plumbed from from that action. I know, Miranda. Go ahead, Miranda. Yeah, sorry. I said, so let's not also forget that timed exclusives are a thing. Like, this mm-hmm. could be a timed console exclusive. Um, if you guys go and look at, like, a Ori and the Bull of the Wisps, that's now on Switch. Um, yeah. And that was originally published by Game Studios, and then they, uh, I am eight bit published it for Switch, which is very weird. Uh, so that like, things like that can happen, and I don't think necessarily have to change the publisher to put it on another platform. Um, but you could definitely see them saying like, "Hey, just for consoles, this is going to have like however many months exclusives." I think I'd rather them. I don't know. The the limited time exclusive always feels a little weird to me, and I really hate seeing it. <laughs> but it's almost like just go full and exclusive or don't, <laughs> which is maybe yeah. weird. But I think it's because then all of a sudden, like you feel like you have to wait so you can play on where you want to. Right. Um, and I feel like that's almost more frustrating. Maybe that's a very weird thing to say than to actually just say, yes, this is just ours or not. Um, and so that, that is also potential. Your point is super interesting. And it's almost like potentially Microsoft's in a position where they could, strong arm Sony and say, you're going to play nice. Like we've been playing nice with Nintendo or you're not going to get fallout. You're not going to get Starfield. Da, 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 da. You know, mm. maybe this will be the thing that finally bridges that gap that gets, um, Sony and Xbox, you know, playing Cross-play. a little bit nicer than they have been. That's, That's a really good point. point. Yeah. The, lever- yeah. the and- leverage that affords you. I mean, I mm-hmm. think at the end of the day, you guys have made a ton of great points. Like it, 
there it probably will be a case by case basis, but but yeah, it's like I think Microsoft will probably choose because their goal is to get is to get as many people into their ecosystem as possible. They have already told you that they don't care if that's on a PC or mm-hmm. on a console. So they're less beholden to just making sure you buy their box, which that seems to be more of Sony's strategy is we want you to have a PlayStation 5. But if, I mean, there are, there is a, if you put the, the games on one hand that move, that that genuinely move the needle in this industry, it's Grand Theft Auto, it's mainline Mario games, Zelda games, uh, and I would argue that Elder Scrolls is on that list. Mm-hmm. And, I agree. And so you have a chance. You have a, you are in a position now if you're Microsoft to say <laughs> this game's not coming to PlayStation Five. You got to come to our sandbox to come play with it. And that's gonna. I mean, that will move uh, Game Pass subscriptions. That will move hardware sales. I mean, I I I guess I won't be surprised which way Microsoft chooses. With yeah. let's, again, I guess I'm kind of vacillating between Starfield and <laughs> Elder Scrolls. But, I, you know, with Todd Howard's like those games, Fallout, Elder Scrolls and Starfield. I mean, it's it's the Todd Howard Holy Trinity. I won't be surprised no matter which way they go. But and certainly, of course, yeah, all the couple things. One, obviously, like Xbox fans. They want to see like they want to champion a thing that's only theirs, yeah. which I totally get because that's I was going to get into this later, but I guess it was worth bringing up now. Like, this is a great, this is such a fun day because, you know, we've seen, we've seen Sony, you know, they just got Final Fantasy 16 as a, as an exclusive. They've got, uh, you know, at the, at the original, yeah, at the original PlayStation 5 reveal in June, they got uh, Ghostwire Tokyo and, and Deathloop from Bethesda, which we'll cover off in a minute. You know they've they've lined up a number of things that are that are not going to be on Xbox or at least not for a while. And Mike and Xbox fans, like I mean, I've said it on this show. We've said it. It's like, wh- where is Microsoft going to bat for its players? And this is that. So this is I'm not wearing a hat today, but this is me tipping my cap to Microsoft. This is them sh- showing their players, hey. We care about you guys. We're come. We're, we went out and got some great games for you too. I mean, I would argue this is a this is bigger than what the WB deal would have been. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 I mean, 100%. this is a much bigger, much bigger deal. I mean, it's insane. Like the idea. Like I haven't even processed all of this yet. Like as we came on the air, like the 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 run of show for this week was like written on the fly. I like I said, I wasn't expecting to work today, and it's like it's pieces of it have hit me as I've as I've just sort of processed it more as this morning has gone on like Doom Microsoft owns yeah. Doom now which is one of my favorite franchises Microsoft owns id software Microsoft owns James Duggan hi James <laughs> I'm here a Microsoft employee now buddy former IGN he, video he producer He said let me know when you want to come, me to come on unlock <laughs> <laughs> He better he he might want to clear it with PR first but we'd yeah. love to have him on um like also uh, Microsoft owns uh they own Obsidian and Bethesda Fallout New Vegas 2 team up what let's go like <laughs> plus Inexile by the way 
uh, Microsoft is now inarguably the Xbox and the Microsoft, the Xbox ecosystem. It is the home for the for Western RPGs. Mm-hmm. There is no question. I mean, yes, you've got CD Projekt Red out there doing top shelf industry leading Western RPGs that are multi platform, and Sony's got Final Fantasy 16. But look at what Microsoft ha- has in the Western RPG department: Elder Scrolls, Fallout, Starfield. Uh, they have Fable. They have Avowed. Avowed they have Wasteland, whatever In Exile's next yeah, generation the, the, Unreal the Engine 5 team. RPG is going to yeah. be. Uh, it, The Western RPG, like if you are a, a role-playing game fan, you've got to be in the Xbox ecosystem. There's like, it's that <laughs> genre particularly is, is on total lockdown now on the Xbox, which is just wild. Um, now the, I, let me, I guess we'll cover off on this now real quick. Uh, Miranda, the... Uh, the death, the Ghostwire Tokyo and Deathloop situations. Talk about how weird that is for a second. Uh, it is very strange because they are timed exclusives on PlayStation, and Microsoft has said, "Yes, we will honor that." But it's like these are now our games, kind <laughs> of that we are putting on PlayStation. <laughs> Here you go. <laughs> it's just so strange. It really but is. I mean, it's it's, it's, good it's about, hilarious. I'm sure there are some legal things in there too that they kind of have to honor it. But I'm I'm glad that that is still going forward because you know let's just let those things ride out. And I think Microsoft, as they have been acquiring all these studios, you know they've gone on quite the shopping spree. Uh, they have been good about honoring those sorts of things in the past and making sure that yeah. they're like, yes, we respect this thing that was laid up before. Uh, everything else is coming though. Yeah, this is, this is no different than the Outer Worlds deal, yeah, right? Like exactly. things things that have already been lined up, you know, yeah. you honor those, you Psychonauts let them go. Psychonauts 2 as well will be, uh, will yeah. be publishing on yeah. PlayStation. Um, but, you know, Microsoft now, their stable is, I believe, now 23 with with Bethesda adding to yeah. it from 15 to 23 eight, with today's yeah, acquisition. Eight, eight yeah. uh, you know, the transition is always going to be messy and all that. But what I find really funny is for a long time, it's been Microsoft makes games for the Xbox. Sony makes games for the PlayStation. Microsoft stopped being a single platform um, developer like a long time ago. You know, they they right. are now Xbox and PC. And I don't know if you if you to be generous, you could say the same of Sony, right? Because now their games are starting to make their way to the PC as well. So they sort yeah. of at least distributed to multiple platforms. But now that Microsoft owns Bethesda. Um, they no longer just make games for you know the PC and uh, the Xbox. They make games for the Nintendo Switch. They make games for mobile phones. They make games for the Alexa. They make games for refrigerators. Like they make <laughs> games for every platform that any of these games have ever been on. So I think I think it kind of ties back into our, our conversation a little bit earlier, which is: is it even fair to still think of this as you know? This is this is one for the Xbox team. Like I, I think Microsoft just shed the skin of being like the console, you know, like like being in that stuck in that sort of console tug of war. Maybe though we, that's we don't the know. old way of thinking about things. Right. Like, but, moving forward, we need to start thinking about this as a a company that just makes games and right, happens and to own several platforms. They've said that in the past too that their competition isn't Sony. Like they don't see no. them necessarily as like their main competition. Like their main competition is Google and other bigger tech Amazon, companies and Apple and Amazon. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Like they've said that 
before. And I think they're trying to really show that it's like, okay, well, mm-hmm. we're going to keep, you know, building our ecosystem. We're going to try to play ball where we can. Uh, and we are just trying to curate this big, again, big ecosystem that really is hopefully attractive to all sorts of gamers. And I think they're, they're really nailing on that. So it's, yeah. uh, interestingly, so it's just, yeah, it's, it's befitting of the weirdness, the unexpected, nobody saw it coming weirdness of the year 2020, that a real <laughs> sentence is now Microsoft is publishing two console exclusive, timed console exclusives on PlayStation. Microsoft real make games for PlayStation. In 2020. But uh, interestingly, Elder Scrolls has been uh, a timed console exclusive for Xbox before. Mm-hmm. So. The first console game that uh, the first, at least the first Elder Scrolls console game that Bethesda ever did, yes, Morrowind was on the original Xbox. It was not on the PlayStation Two. And then after that, uh, a game that I mean, absolutely yeah. was one of the catalysts for the 360 getting off to the incredible 100%. head start that it did, while the the PlayStation Three hadn't released yet, and made the 360 a must own platform. Oblivion was came to the 360 in March of 2006, just four months after launch. It was in that launch window. And yes, it came to PS3 later, and it came, uh, as a side note, with a lot of problems. That PS3 version was notorious for being well, very you remember, problematic. You remember the Skyrim problems on PlayStation as well. Yeah. Like for an entire, was it a year for or a six while. months? So, yeah, yeah, for a while. Uh, that's thankfully all been rectified. Now, you know, they're now both, x86 based console so there's yeah. not like the cell isn't sort of throwing the curveball into things but but yeah i mean it's going to be really interesting to see what microsoft does next up as you know because elder scrolls is so far out but what they do with elder scrolls 6 and if that's going to be a full exclusive or a, a as miranda suggests maybe a one-year timed exclusive before they release it on playstation 5 that will be very interesting. Can can I jump in real quick? Please. I, I, just just one final thought. I think I really, honestly, genuinely believe that this is going to be. Um, if you want, it, oh God, I think it's really reductive to call it a war. But if you want to, it, it would be a war of attrition, right? I don't believe there's a world in which Microsoft stops. <laughs> you do a cost benefit, and you see what happens if we make Elder Scrolls Six and a Microsoft. Uh, platform exclusive or yeah. if you release it everywhere the cost benefit i can't imagine is there for not releasing it on playstation but what you do have is the opportunity to say every time a bethesda game comes out you automatically get it if you're a game pass fan and so and so year after year after year after year you're looking at how much you're spending at 70 bucks a pop or wherever it ends up yeah. um, on a Bethesda game where you know you could be spending 15 bucks a month on Game Pass and just playing them all. I think by the end the strategy employed now by the end of the generation will look it, it will have paid dividends. It will have paid for itself. Well, and it's clear that Microsoft is playing a long game with mm-hmm. this that's been clear for a while. And actually, I'm glad you brought this up. I want to talk about Todd Howard specifically, but I'm gl- since you brought this up, Brandon, yeah, let's, let's talk about, let's talk uh, about Todd. About, well, no, let's talk about game pass because, okay. uh, so, uh, Microsoft announcing that subscriptions have quickly grown. Tom Warren from the verge, contextualizing it. Xbox game pass subscriptions have jumped 50% in less than six months. There are now 15 million subscribers 
as Microsoft continues its push for the Netflix of gaming. Uh, so yeah, to that, let's talk about that specifically because yeah, now it's any Starfield, Elder Scrolls Six, whatever the next Doom game is. Uh, it's everything, everything that that this studio, these studios are going to do, is now into Game Pass Day One. I mean. The the argument against Game Pass was not always there. there yeah. It was it was there was very little argument against it uh, previously. Now the the Sony the you know maniac fanboy thing I would see on, on Twitter, which of course is just a war zone hellscape of of the the worst kind of conversation, but would be like, oh well, yeah, I'll that's fine. I'll pay for my seventy dollar you know ten out of ten games. You know, you take yeah. all your your uh, lower tier stuff into your game pass. Well, it's That's like, ridiculous. okay, which is ri- ridiculous, but, yeah. uh, but now like now you're going to have some serious like triple a major, major games hitting game pass in day one, even more than the fables and the avowed's and the halo infinites that are coming down the pipeline. I mean, they're, how can you, I th- guys, I think we've, if we hadn't already been there, we're now definitely at the point where there is, you can't not have Game Pass at this point. I yeah. will say the one, sorry, Dustin, really quickly, the one case that I have seen legitimately for like why people are like, oh, I don't have Game Pass, so I'm holding glue, um, <laughs> uh, is because they just don't have enough time to play games. And they're like, oh, I could buy a monthly subscription, but I don't feel like I'm actually making the most of it. Because there are, there's just so much there, and it's like if I'm only playing one game, that is like the only case where I've seen the reason to not have that. The only reason, uh, which is totally valid, of course, yeah. because kind of that kind of that, 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 that uh, choice paralysis thing that you get on <laughs> Netflix sometimes, where you're like, I don't know what to watch. Yeah, or you, even just the value. Like with any subscription <laughs> right. service, the value is dependent on how much time you spend on the service. Exactly. So, Miranda's 100% right. There's the people who only buy Call of Duty one one game a year and play that all year, and that's awesome. That's how they play games. More power to them. But to say that, like, uh, Game Pass is a sub, sub-quality service, like, you can't, you can't say that anymore. Like, even yeah. if you thought that you were, you know, my opinion is you were wrong if you, if you said that earlier, but now there's just no denying. <laughs> like, it is a service. It is a triple-A service. Uh, and if you play games in any way other than, you know, only one or two a year, right? You buy COD and Madden. Um, It's a service that you simply just have to own, right? Like if you watch movies and TV on streaming services, Netflix is kind of the one that jumps to mind, like as the one you should get first. Game Pass is is that now, right? Yeah, I mean, it's it's astounding. I mean, if if we're at 15 million, Xbox is at 15 million subs now, I wonder what it's going to look like in even one year from now. I mean, granted... I don't so, know. So quick, go ahead, Destin. I keep waiting to chime in. Uh, Sorry, go ahead. Uh, Nine ninety nine times fifteen million is one hundred forty nine thousand eight hundred fifty, or one hundred forty nine million eight hundred fifty thousand. That means each year at fifteen million subscribers, Xbox is making one point eight billion dollars on Game Pass. That is like on a nine ninety nine uh, average monthly uh, subscription fee price, right? So. It's a tremendous value for their consumers. They're making great profits that they can share with people that have aligned with Game Pass. You've talked to developers, Ryan, that say Game Pass is great. So yes. 
Microsoft wins, period, in this yeah. case. I yeah. Mean, it's literally making World of Warcraft money. Blizzard is what they are now because people were paying 15 bucks a month at, to the tune of like 12 to 13 million subscribers, I think. Maybe 15 at its peak. Oh, yeah, yeah. Things like this print money. Like if the yep. product is good enough to keep you there year after year, there's, you can't argue with that, you know? Yeah. Uh, I mean, there are so many other ramifications of this. There's now technology sharing that you that you can consider as well. Uh, Id tech could be used. <laughs> I mean, we're a little far along in Halo and it's sort of doing its own open world thing. But right, right. There, was, there is a world in which it's again this not a good example because it's the timing i think is all wrong but like <laughs> halo could have been built now like a, another halo could be built in id tech like it's and and uh avowed uh, i mean i presume i don't know if that's unreal 5 we know in is using unreal 5 but you know there's you could they could use whatever tech that bethesda is using for starfield uh mm. there's just so many there's so many interesting technological <laughs> aspects of this too that that aren't even that we're not even really considering yet but i know i'm sure the developers at both microsoft and the the zenimax studios are all going oh okay wait so now i could get uh, i could have access to this or i could have access to that because yeah, it's vice versa also right the flight yep. sim tech that they use for their weather and and visual systems which is just astounding can now be used in Starfield, it can be used in the next uh, Elder Scrolls, which is just, yeah, it's truly awesome. Yes. Can't wait, can't wait to fly to Skyrim, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Book a flight, um, let's go. Um, okay, so I want to talk about Todd Howard himself right now. Uh, and my first thought was, so obviously I and we are not privy to any of the financials of Bethesda. They're a private company, but let's Todd Howard with, with nothing but the utmost respect to the 2,300 other people that work at Bethesda and work at Zenimax. Todd Howard is arguably the single most valuable human asset at that company mm-hmm. because he is the, the main brain behind fallout, Elder Scrolls, and now Starfield. And so my first thought, my, my, my only like worry thought when, when I started processing all this news was, oh crap, Todd's going to just be rich and leave. And uh, it made me think back to when BioWare was acquired by Elevation Partners. Oh gosh, that must have been 10, 15 years ago now. It's, it was a while. Uh, which was bef- before the EA acquisition. <laughs> and uh, that was a, a, a venture capitalist firm that, that acquired BioWare for huge money. And it was it was not a coincidence that about, f- uh, it was basically exactly five years after that acquisition, mm-hmm. both uh, of the co-founders, Dr. Ray Musica and Dr. Greg Zeschuk, left uh Bioware and left the industry and they are both retired and Greg's in Texas making craft beer and Ray plays a bunch of poker and uh, I still check in with him sometimes on Twitter. Um, And it made me think of Todd, like 
if Todd has any equity in that company, which as a 25 year employee who is so valuable to them, he was obviously already making a nice living as well. He should, he has, he has earned that. But if Todd has any piece of that company in any way or any sort of equity, he is probably like desert Island. Screw you guys. I'm out of here. Kind of rich now. And I would have to think that in a deal like this, Microsoft is keeping is has signed him specifically to a contract where he has to stick around for at least a certain number of time. And there may be even uh, it may even be structured where he'll get a big payout after five years if he's still there and even bigger payout after 10 years. So I kind of wanted to just get your guys's take on that side of it is do you, do you guys think we're going to see Todd or any other sort of senior leadership that helps make Bethesda what it is leave after, after like five, we should probably set our calendars for five years from now. Brandon, what do you make of that? I don't, I don't know. Like maybe, you know, like it's such a, it's such a weird thing to think about. Like I don't particularly enjoy commenting on people about, you know, their reasons for leaving the industry sure. or any of that stuff. Um, you know, like with the housers. Right. So if he wants to leave, that that's fine. I, I imagine that the, the purchase of Bethesda's parent company, right? Like I imagine that whole acquisition came with talent IP and all that. And there's a certain expectation for that talent to remain part of the value of the product that you're purchasing for a while. So yeah, there, there, there may have been a clause, but you know, maybe Todd has no interest in leaving. Maybe it's Starfield and then on to the next one. But yeah, um, I, I honestly, I have no idea if he got a golden parachute, more power to him. You know, he's been making games that I've been enjoying for decades and he wears the hell out of a leather jacket. So, <laughs> you know, more happy for him, if that's the case. Miranda, are you worried about Todd or anybody else uh, setting their setting their watch and, and, and going into full senioritis mode until they can golden parachute out of there? <laughs> I think I've been worried even prior to this, just because 25 years is a long time, y'all. And some people do have the opportunity to retire and if that is the case, sometimes uh, you you would want to do that anyway. So um, I could see him being like, "Oh yes, Starfield. We will let this out into the world, and then I will then I'll fade into memory." Yeah, <laughs> yeah I like don't know. Galadriel. Like, but, but that's that's the thing is like you. <laughs> okay. Anyway, oh, that's the thing, right? Like you, the idea is that you build up talent, then you let them take over, and and I think that's hopefully what he's doing is like mentoring talent that will kind of take on that RPG mantle. Um, or he could be like Miyamoto and just work forever. But who Miyamoto is also big on building talent, though. Like that's, that's that true. is such a thing, right? Like you can't just rely on one person to be the brains behind all of your hit games. Like the idea is that you you can rely on them to be guidance, but at some point you can't just let them be your company because that's that's your risk, especially with someone who's been around for so long. Uh, not necessarily saying that they will leave, but I mean. That's all, all, always in their right to leave and just say, I'm done. And you never know when that'll be. Until you end up yeah. in a Kojima situation, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's definitely a- like uh, personal questions. You don't really know what life's going to throw you at an individual. You don't know how happy each of the senior leader, man- leader management type people like Todd are. Like if they're already happy there, um, why would they want to go? It would have to be something pretty enticing, but maybe he just loves the games that he works on and the games that he's making with that company. And he has no reason to go. We don't know 
like the internal politics at that company or any of that stuff. But I mean, man, he's been there so long. He has to be pretty happy. Maybe he's itching to do his own thing, but I just don't see it. Like he's been there so long. Um, if he was happy, I feel like he would have gone years ago, you know, um, or if he was unhappy. Yeah. So yeah. I, I think, I think most of them are going to, going to stay just based on what they've said publicly <laughs> about the company. And, um, yeah, we'll see, but it, it, but it's definitely an individual case by case basis, just like with the console exclusives that Xbox will be getting over the next few years. And, and the nice part too is, and I'm sure a lot of the Bethesda and Zenimax people are, you know, the game industry is a small industry and they, they probably all have friends at Microsoft in some capacity where there's probably a lot of slacks and text messages of Zenimax Bethesda employees asking their Microsoft friends, so how is it over there? Because yeah. we have seen like true to, to Phil and Matt Booty, their, their uh, modern ethos of, of, of taking a much more hands-off approach culturally to these companies. Like they are not being assimilated into the Microsoft Borg Collective, which you could make a fair argument was what happened 10, 15, 20 years ago. But now in you know the, the last few years here, all the studio acquisitions that Microsoft has made, you see it with Double Fine, you see it with Obsidian, you see it with Playground, uh, all of them, that Microsoft is, uh, it's really, and in fact, I think Matt Booty might've even said this in an interview with me, if I remember right. He said uh, that Microsoft tries to take in their culture rather than the other way around and making the studio take in the Microsoft culture. So um, expect Bethesda to be largely left alone to continue doing what they're doing. And, and it's just going to be, I mean, it's just going to be so much fun to see uh, what comes out of this in the coming years. We know there are two PlayStation 5 timed exclusives coming in 2021 next year. But beyond that, like it's, it's, uh, and it's all going to be kind of fair game. I, you know, if will Microsoft hold on to Elder Scrolls? Will they hold on to Starfield? Will they be timed? What's it going to be? But guys, I think, and I'll start with Miranda here first. Uh, any, any lingering doubts? I mean, Microsoft has taken a lot of steps to address their first party problem over the last couple of years. Those doubts are now completely, like, there's just nothing to say to that anymore, is there, Miranda? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think, if anything, it's just more of the waiting game, right? Like, they've teased a lot of the games that are coming out with, we know Fable's probably forever away. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's just, it's just more of the waiting game and just and hoping that we get those soon. Uh, and obviously, I think, in the meantime, there's so much on Games Pass that's coming out constantly to check out. And I hope, maybe in the meantime, that they could champion some of those a little bit more, so that when those do come out, they feel like they are something a little bit more exciting. I don't know. The one that always comes to me that's I guess speaks to me is Scorn, just because people keep reminding <laughs> me about it. But I think there are unique games like that that they do have on the service in the meantime before they do get those big games coming out from their studios that they could just keep reminding people of. Uh, and one other quick thing here. We'll wrap this up, actually. it's So John Carmack, one of the co-founders of id Software, it's uh, he's had a very ugly divorce that included legal battles with Zenimax. Uh, he has tweeted 
in reaction to the news. Great. I think Microsoft has been a good parent company for gaming IPs, and they don't have a grudge against me. So maybe I will be able to re-engage with some of my old titles. Jeez. Yeah, there's a lot to unpack there, but uh, as as a fan of John and and id Software's classic games, that made me really happy to see because it suggests that John Carmack wants to go revisit some of his old games, whether it's, you know, in whatever capacity, whether it's doing, like, showing off maybe unfinished things or... There could be any million things that that John might want to do. I mean, John is is one of the most brilliant pro game game programmers on the planet. Uh, and if maybe who knows, maybe he wants to like go back and add ray tracing to the original Doom. Like he, I, that's a thing I could see John Carmack doing. So uh, Microsoft, Phil Spencer, you should you should play nice with John Carmack because he's done a lot for the industry and would love to see what he has in store in that brain of his for some of his older games. Well, I think uh, we're going to wrap it up there for this this special edition of Unlocked. I didn't even have time to get a loot box question, an Unlocked Block trivia question. We'll do all that stuff. We'll kind of get back to the regular format next week. And uh, there's, I mean, there's more we could have covered. Uh, I like, mean, we didn't even talk about pre-orders tomorrow. Pre-orders <laughs> yeah. tomorrow. By the way, eight a.m. Not, not a surprise that it dropped. The news dropped today, right? <laughs> yeah, actually, Brandon, please talk about that. That was the one thing I forgot to mention. That's uh, I mean, it, coincidence. <laughs> yeah. Uh, does anyone remember the time? I, I don't remember. Is it nine? Eight, eight, eight a.m. Pacific, eleven a.m. Eastern. Yeah. yeah. If you're listening to this today, uh, pre-orders go live tomorrow. Tomorrow being uh, September twenty-second, Tuesday. Uh, so Tuesday, 8 a.m. Pacific, uh, pre-orders for the Xbox Series X and the Xbox Series S will be going live. Um, and, you know, last week, obviously, the Sony PlayStation pre-orders were a, a little little bit of a mess. Uh, Xbox had some fun on their social channels. But if you want to talk about a way to really capitalize on a situation, announce a $7.5 billion acquisition the day before your pre-orders are scheduled to go up. So they're sitting good and... I would love to live in an alternate universe where this announcement didn't happen until after pre-orders just so we could see what the difference would have been. I'm expecting pre-orders tomorrow to go very well. Uh, So if you, like me, if you absolutely are going to be pre-ordering a Series X or multiple Xboxes, uh, make sure you're online at 8 a.m. Because I don't think there'll be a shortage, but this news is going to drive consoles. Um, It's just an exciting time. Exciting yeah. time to be buying a next gen console. We don't know what the the stock is going to be. You know how many? We don't know if they have as many Series Xs as Sony has PS Fives. They, yeah. they may have more. They might have less. We have no clue about uh, what the supply is or what the demand. I mean, we expect the demand will be will be pretty strong, especially uh, after today. Yeah. Yeah, especially after today. Yeah. Whether 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 it was planned this way to to go it was. for pre orders. If even if it wasn't, it's a happy coincidence. Um, but again, I want to wrap up before I let everybody give their plugs by just saying, like, like as we've been doing this show for, I mean, since I've been at IGN, the show predates my time. I mean, so I've been doing this show for eight years uh, more, I guess, closer to eight and a half. And and you guys have been on here for a while. I mean, it's like we just this is we have wanted a a, a megaton thing, and yes, I've use that word knowing (laughs) the fallout pun involved but it's it's couldn't more apt like they're honestly 
there are not many megaton things that happen in this industry. Like mm -hmm. on this level, um, I mean, there was Activision buying, like merging with Blizzard. Like that was, that was a juggernaut. <laughs> but th like this is, this is right there. Like this is for, you know, Xbox fans have had to watch uh, PlayStation get, ex you know, exclusive after exclusive, timed or otherwise. And this is just like, Xbox fans, like this is your day to just say, yes, we <laughs> Xbox is is looking out for us, opening the wallet, going to bat for its customers. And it's just this is just a fun day. Like this is one of the most I'm again, I came into work today. <laughs> I wasn't even, <laughs> wasn't even supposed to be here today to quote yeah, this, clerk. This morning I just texted Ryan. Uh, uh, <laughs> that was literally your you that was a verbatim quote. You're not yeah. even yeah. exaggerating but yeah just enjoy the day like this is just such a fun this is why we do this kind of stuff to just celebrate these like big fun like this is a hobby this is an enthusiast hobby where we all love this stuff you know we're we're no matter which platform you're playing on like it's it's fun when the when the joy and the business side of the of the industries kind of collide and create these you know just fun megaton moments for Xbox gamers in this case to celebrate. So just great stuff. Congrats to, to Microsoft and to everybody at Bethesda and ZeniMax. Um, it's just cool to see that it's, uh, and, and yeah, as, as we talked about, like if, I mean, if Sony had bought ZeniMax, there'd be no question. Xbox would never see these games again. Mm -hmm. Like, no, right. Am I, I don't know if anybody wants I, to well, disagree with that. I know we're running out of time and you want to wrap it up, but it, there's so many points and I feel like, I don't know if we've touched them all. Um, I, I think, I think you really do when it comes to the multi-plat situation and where these games are going, you have to look at like what they, what they're, what they move, right? Like Dishonored 2 was two and a half million units, right? Skyrim yeah. was 30, 30 minutes, right. like 12 to one sales. Yeah. So I, I do think there's a possibility that we see a game like Skyrim that is projected to sell tens of millions of units uh, go to competing or competing platforms. Right. Whereas smaller things like Dishonored 3 or, you know, the next Doom, I think Doom sells well, but it doesn't sell Skyrim well. Like maybe those come in houses exclusive. So I don't know if Sony would have followed the same plan. I don't really care. Microsoft has showed that they're not really thinking about the old way uh, this industry has operated in the past and they're moving in new directions. And I'm, I'm here for it. I'm here for it. I'm on board. Yeah, so. and that's the thing. Even if some or many or even just a couple of these of, of the games do end up on PlayStation 5, to Miranda's point, all, your, all of you guys brought it up earlier on the show, it's they're all going to be part of your Game Pass subscription on day one. So it's like you've got a great reason to be in the Xbox ecosystem. And it's just like the, the boy, the, the, it's insane how... There are not a lot of things that Microsoft could have done to move the needle in one go, but this this is that. This is a absolute game changing acquisition. Uh, it's yeah, I can't wait to see how it plays out with Starfield in the next couple of years first, and as the sort of the next major title, and then the, I would imagine the next Doom game will kind of come after that, and Elder Doom Scrolls is down the Doom way. Doom external. Doom external. <laughs> There you go. Just oh, no. we're, going, we're going circa 2000 with X hyphen Ternal. Yeah. E lowercase E capital X intercapped all the way. Please stop. 
All right. Oh, man. Yeah. Give them ideas. <laughs> it's too late. It's out there. He's they can have it. It's free. I don't even want royalties. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> James Duggan just heard it, and he's bringing it to Hugo Martin right now. It's too late. And believe me, I've talked to Hugo enough. Hugo would do it. Yeah. He would He would appreciate something like that. So uh, you're welcome, and we're sorry all at, all at once. But, um, yeah, this is so much fun. There's There could be a lot more to talk about this next week as more details kind of emerge here. Um, and then, yeah, we got to talk about PlayStation 5 pricing and how – much it was or wasn't a reaction to Microsoft's pricing because uh, I know there was some, you know, the, the digital PS5 may have su- certainly surprised me. So we'll get to all that next week. Uh, in the meantime, Destin, what, where can we find you? What are you working on? What do you want people to see? Yeah, just keep following me on Twitter. I'm working on a lot of behind the scenes stuff these days with uh, like I'm hiring some freelancers for a project that Rand and I are sort of tag teaming and, uh, uh, yeah, so just follow me on Twitter. <laughs> Done. Miranda? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter and everywhere else at Have a Gross, and that's Have a Good K tonight. I think the one thing I did really want to put a show aside project, I'm finishing Alan Wake tonight, episode six. I'm really excited. Uh, oh, I can't wait to hear what you think of it. Yeah, I'll message you my thoughts. And aside from that, for work stuff, uh, just also a lot of behind the scenes things, really getting our guides all cleaned up, all of our next gen guides. So please check those out if you ever have any questions or want to see some nifty comparison charts. Uh, we've got those for you. Brilliant. Brandon Tyrell. Uh, hey, you can find me on Twitter, just my name at Brandon Tyrell. Um, like Destin, I'm kind of doing behind the scenes stuff these days, but uh, I don't know. Review season is around, so we'll see. we'll see what we get up to. Also, I've been playing Hades. Go play Hades if you haven't oh, played yeah, Hades. Hades oh, yeah. is. Um, if you follow my past reviews, like I, I, I love dead cells really into that. Um, so I, when I say that Hades is as good, if not better than dead cells is hype. It's the first game I've ever seriously considered trying to make an argument for a 10 for like, it is that good. Wow. Uh, go check it out if you haven't. I love hearing that. Uh, as for me, I'm on Twitter at DMC underscore Ryan. Uh, I am going to be writing an op-ed right now, actually, as we sign off. Miranda is going to kindly handle the publishing of this episode. We'll get it out to you as soon as we can, which, obviously, if you're hearing it, we did that. Um, But I'm going to write an uh, an opinion piece on IGN.com about all of this Bethesda stuff and kind of distilling my thoughts. So check that out on IGN. And then um, I think this is going to be an an even – I think the Xbox week is going to be even better than just this. So hang with us all week at IGN. It's going to be a good one. For uh, Miranda, Destin, Brandon, and our producer, Tayo, I'm Ryan. This was Unlocked 462 Emergency Megaton Awesome Edition. And we'll see you guys next week. Wander with us into a world of magic. Do you lack magic? Ever since I was born, I could hear the spirits of the other world. Where old stories take on a new life. If you break even one of these conditions, the consequence is death. And the world is teeming with possibilities. It's midnight, girls! They're here! Get ready to change! Well, for the last time, we're not kissing, Fitz! (laughs) 
Join Jenny and Madeline in this fantastical audio drama as they journey into the stories you grew up with as you've never heard them before. You are no more than a demon! Okay, Gown. Let's do this. And reinvent fairy tales with a feminist twist. Ready for your next adventure? Then we'll see you soon in the forest of feminist fairy tales.